All right. You hear me shaking my head? Do you hear this? That means I'm excited. We're ready to go. We are going to have another pop-off podcast. I'm going to try to get Paul Corden on right now. So if you don't hear him, then you didn't, then we didn't get a hold of him, right? But I am trying to get a hold of that dude. The dude's like a fart in a windstorm, man. Actually, he's a fart in a hailstorm now. You know what I mean? Um, we're giving him a call. And if I can't get a hold of him, we're still going to be popping off here. So we got PDR 30. Is it making a difference? We're about halfway through it. Is it making a difference? I'm going to get to that. Uh, cost awareness. Creating videos with screen recording and cost proofing. So we'll talk about that. I'm always going to like dig at you guys, man. You know, this is an accountability podcast too. I know a lot of you are listening to this. Know I make sense. And you know, I know that you know I'm right about a lot of these things that you need to be doing. So it's called getting in the gym for your business, right? Instagram tips. We're going to talk about the hashtags quality, changing it up a bit, things like that. We're going to, we're going to give, some, give you some feedback on Instagram, some things that I think are hot right now. You need to pay attention, keep it going. And if you don't think Instagram is very important, well, you're going to miss that boat too if you don't, if you don't stay up with it. And I'm not just talking about putting before and after pictures, people. So we'll get to that. Uh, another topic, advanced PDR students' common challenges. Well, I think you don't even have to be an advanced student. You could be just one of those people, those techs that are afraid to do something uh, to a dent at a certain point. Well, finish it, get it to 90%. You have a hard time. You're kind of lost. You know, you either chew it up before you get it out or you just, uh, you just, just don't know how to finish it correctly. And that's mainly a big challenge. Uh, the other thing is, well, we'll get into more of that detail there. And then I'm going to try to get into Paul Corden in his ear. So let's, uh, let's just kick it off and then I'll, I'll give him a holler. Let's see what's going on. All right. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Pow. Hey, don't forget, share that crap. Come on. Wondering how you can show your love? Head over now to Facebook and drop a like. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get... I am going to try to get Mr. Paul Gordon on here. You guys know me. I don't plan anything. I just try to call him. And... uh, See if I can get him on here. I've been trying to get a hold of him here and there. Hi, you reached Paul Corden, and if this message okay. is in regards to a hail damaged vehicle, please. Okay, he just texted me right back. He says he's going to call me in five minutes. All right. So, meanwhile, while we are waiting for him to give me a call back or us a call back, um, we'll talk about 
we'll talk about uh, this, some of these topics here. So let's talk about, and he might interrupt me, so I'll have to come back to the subject, which is a good thing. I want him to interrupt me. Uh, is PDR30 working? So let me, re, re, let me recap what PDR30 is in case some of you are new listening. You jump from podcast to podcast and you're like, what the hell is PDR30? PDR30 is a challenge for your PDR business to post two photos on Instagram, two photos or one post and one photo on your business, Google business page, one live video on either Instagram or Facebook and one story on your um, Instagram page or Facebook page. It can be either one. I don't know why you wouldn't do both because you can sync them and they would go to both. Uh, the first one, I, I didn't go, get real clear on the Instagram, the two photos, one before and after and one action. And, and the reason why you're doing this is that you're looking at your stats, you're looking at your engagement, you're looking at shares and and all that stuff because that's a good algorithm that that uh, Instagram likes. But I've already explained that and I've, I've been getting into that for the last week. Now, this isn't a contest like who, how many people do it. The real winners are the people that do it and try. Those are the real winners. So if you've been attempting it or you've been doing really well and you're at it, I know you see something. I know you see some stats, some good stuff, especially on Google My Business. It is powerful. So let me tell you something here. Google My Business, I looked on one of my photos, 1,800 views. Like, look, they saw that photo. 300, no, 448 actions. That means there was 300, I'm not going to give you the exact, I don't have in front of me, but 379 website visits and it was like 100 calls to the business. And that was one of the two listings that I have. If you guys don't pay attention to Google business and don't nurture it, you are missing those stats. You don't have to be a dent time to get those stats. You can do that. You can do that in your own area especially if your competition's not doing it, or at least you hope they're not listening to this podcast. Don't wait until there's fire to try and think that you have to see fire to smell smoke. You have to really get after it. All I'm doing is helping you push what's something you should have been doing in the, in the first place. So is it working? Hell yeah, it is. By the way, the algorithm for Instagram, my followers have gone up and I'm not trying and like be honest with you guys. I don't give a crap, man. I got I got some big followers on YouTube, but I'm not posting videos every second. I post them when I want to post them when I feel like I have when I want to do it. I I don't want to feel obligated to do anything. I'm sure that's the way you feel, right? Well, why are you haven't doing PDR 30? Because a lot of you don't even do one 
thing. Yes, you post photos here and there. But like anything else, consistency wins. Consistency and everything. Look at any person that's successful. If they are focusing on one thing or one part, they're being consistent. And I know it's cliche. I keep saying gym. But it's just the same thing. You know, if you go into the gym once in a while, you're going to get some results. You may feel good after you leave the gym, but you don't see enough results to see the difference. But if you consistently get in it and do it, you start seeing, you start seeing some results. And what happens when you start seeing results? All of a sudden, the motivation goes up, right? Now you want to hit it harder. It's the same thing with your marketing. Same thing. I know this generation right now, it's like we want, we want it now. Everything we want results now. Well, business is still old-fashioned, man. Still got to put in the work. And nobody's lucky. But funny, it's the people that are that mo- the most luckiest are the ones that work the hardest. I'm not going to get in your ear too much about this one. That's it. I hope you guys continue to do it. Do hashtag PDR30. The moment you start is the moment that you will, you're, you're committed, right? So I hope you got that. Uh-oh. We got Paul Corden on here. That's perfect timing too. What the heck is going on, Chief? Michael Toledo. What's happening, buddy? I'm, re- I'm recording my podcast right now, dude. Oh, yeah? Am I on? You're on, dude. Oh, man. I would have got my big announcer voice ready, so it sounded all <laughs> crisp and clean and professional. But <laughs> no, you're, sorry, you're, getting, you're getting the raw dog, me. That's how we do it. I knew you were busy. Are you back home uh, hailing, out there doing hail? What are you doing right now? Uh, I am actually, as we speak, I am in South Dakota at the Rapid City shop. It is 825 p.m., and I was just moving some cars around for tomorrow. And getting some final cars written up. So I'm just out here humping it, man. It's uh, one of those days. We, I don't know. We have probably, I don't know, 20, 30 cars on ground right now at the retail shop. And you know how it goes with hail. You never know when stuff's going to drop and open up. And you got to be ready to kind of handle it all the next day. So well, just uh, doing it, man. Grinding it out. Well, you know what? Let me let me introduce the folks who maybe have jumped in. They don't know who Paul Corden is. Paul Corden, um, you helped, obviously, um, build the foundation of this of this price guide that everybody's using these days uh, with along with mobile tech rx you actually pushed that out there and really brought the awareness the pricing uh, to to basically the pdr industry of this thing and again i have to say thank you very much for for that because uh, we have to introduce the the experience the new ones that are coming into the industry and listening to this podcast mm-hmm. but yeah. I, I i wanted to say thanks a lot paul you really have changed um and really helped out uh, this industry for the good man and that's that's awesome dude thank you oh man it's my pleasure mike it's uh, honestly i i don't i think it's only i've only contributed part of that because it's taken guys um like you and others in the industry who have had a platform and a voice ever before i did and uh you guys really kind of supported me and you and you kind of you helped me push the agenda gave me a soapbox to stand on so i could kind of tell my story and and encourage guys to start thinking differently and doing things differently. So, you know, I could, I could turn that right around and say, you know, Mike Toledo has been a big part of um, 
Paul Corden being able to get the message out about estimating and pricing and what we're worth, you know, um, and I appreciate all you do with the podcast. I, I was able to listen up and catch up to the uh, Joe Garcia podcast last, the last one. And man, you guys touched on so many things that are like near and dear to my heart because it's, it's, you know, a lot of the stuff that I believe and I've preached for years and years now. And um, what's cool is that it, I feel like it's starting to become more and more mainstream and it's not, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the outlier anymore. It's, you know, now I'm kind of part of the normal fold of the way things are going yeah. um, in a large part of the industry. So it's, it's pretty cool to be a part of it and, and watch it happen. Well, I mean, and like I said, me and Joe, we, we, we spoke very highly of you and I'm sure obviously you listened to it that, but um, now let me just, let me, let me let you throw the ball on your court. Like after you listen to that podcast, but Joe and I were talking about pricing and things like that. Do you, why do you like, give me, let me, cause you're, you know, dude, you're, you're right there. I've been starting to put pricing on my, on my, um, my before and after photos and my videos and, and on given sometimes price ranges, sometimes an exact cost. I've either been told like I'm too cheap or I'm too expensive. Right. Um, but the general 95, 97% of the techs out there aren't putting that don't and like, would you not agree that it's, it's, it's important to kind of educate the customer about the value of the service. Like what, what's the, what's the cost of that? You know, I just, I put an example of a customer who, who messaged me on YouTube publicly said, what, what is the cost of that repair? And I was like, there you go. I mean, that that's, there's the customer right there. It's saying, how much is it? How much is it? I mean, would you, you haven't been doing that either. Right. But I mean, would you, would you consider doing that? Well, for years, I, I have I have not done that. I did not do that. I would I have posted pricing on damage that I've done before, but I've kept it to the um, kind of the forums, the guys who are in the industry, you know, just to kind of show, hey, guys, this is what the value of this dent is worth, in my opinion, based on my estimating process. And I think that helped open guys eyes. But I have not typically done that publicly, um, like in a public format, meaning I haven't posted it on my website or posted a lot of that in my social media. Now I have been willing to talk pricing with customers who would make a comment on, let's say a social media post uh, up until this point. But I, I'll tell you, Mike, I mean, I've, I think I've kind of changed my mind a little bit about that over the years. I used to be the guy that said, hey guys, don't, don't throw your prices out there in public um, only because I didn't want people to, the biggest thing that I didn't want to have happen was for people to get their minds fixated on a dent like that is that price because we all know that every dent is so unique to in and of itself. You know what I mean? Like there's no two dents. I'll tell us to a customer. There are no two dents that are alike. So to say that the $275 dent that you fix today that shows up tomorrow on the same panel, maybe the same car is going to be exactly a 275 dent. I always want to give guys the opportunity to be able to go higher if they need to. You know, I always kind of want the open door to adjust to the damage adjust the price of the damage, not necessarily pigeonhole myself into um, one fixed price for that kind of dent. So, um, but the more that I've watched guys do it and, and heard the feedback and I've thought about it, the more that I think I'm at the point in my career and, and honestly having a lot of guys doing a similar, a similar thing where I think it's probably to our advantage as an industry to share that kind of information with customers and just, you know, kind of, kind of maybe couch it in, in the idea that, hey, this is um, not for every dent that's like this. There are many variables and factors that go into something like a, an estimate like this. But 
in general on this, but I love what you're doing, Mike, on this dent with these factors and variables yeah. that, that were involved, this particular dent was, you know, um, whatever it is, $275 and then let them kind of draw their own conclusions, but you're not locking yourself in and saying, Hey, if you have a dent like this, I will definitely get it done for 275. Yeah. That, you that's, know, that's, that's exactly what I was trying. My point was, is trying to create, say these based on these factors. And then now I'm kind of, you know, even though the dent might have cost exactly this much, right? Again, I think it's kind of safe to say, hey, it it could vary between this price depending on those factors. You know, um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to get some wiggle room, but I mm-hmm. don't want I don't want customers, Paul, you know, coming at me saying, hey, can you? I thought that was gonna be a hundred bucks, you know, or or fifty right. bucks or stuff like that. And I'm trying to bring the value. Of, the whole point is just bringing the value of the awareness to the customers, saying. This isn't cheap, man. This is not like going to be cheaper than a body shop or cheaper than you think every time. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. And and that's, I think, where the, the greatest value lies in sharing those estimates is like you guys, you and Joe mentioned, um, weeding out the tire kickers, um, you know, discovering who are your customers and who are not your customers or nacho customers, like I like to call them. Nacho, um, yeah. that's, that's, just the re, that's just the reality is that's your pricing will, will dictate your customer, yep. right? It, and and I've said that for a long time. I think if you price yourself down on the lower end or the mid range, those are the kinds of clients that will, you will drive to your own door. Um, and then if you price yourself as the premier guy and you only want you know customers with higher end cars that have you know brand new vehicles, that it's not really about for them. It's not necessarily about the cost. It's about eliminating that that emotional problem that they have because they just got a dent on their brand new Lexus or whatever it is. It might even be an older car. It might be something they just love. You know, I can't tell you how many of those stories there are out there. Um, that's the customer that you want. You want the customer who would say to you, Hey Mike, you know, this is my baby. I really don't care how long it's going to take, or how much it's going to cost. I just want it fixed and I don't want to have to paint it or replace the parts. That's your ideal customer. That's the customer who will absolutely um, understand, accept, and appreciate your, your, your work, your value, and they're willing to pay the price. Um, that being said, you know, we also want to be careful not to take advantage of those customers and gouge them. You know, I'm, I'm not for that. That's why I love the process and the system of having, you know, an, a strong estimating process to put the right numbers on damage based on what the damage, you know, dicta- dictates to us about. Right. And uh, I think, I think that's, a, there's complexity. a, there's a condition though, that we've been, you know, we've been conditioned so long, Paul to uh-huh. to make to to throw a number out there you know uh-huh. and i'm still i'm still creature of habit you know uh-huh. i i, I uh-huh. sometimes i don't want to just pull out the mobile tech rx and i just kind of go oh, okay this is going to be you know blah 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 it's very easy to uh-huh. do that it's very easy to go back into that into that that kind of um habit but uh-huh. but we're also i and what is it self-worth you know what i mean the the the, the again like you said I I really believe you want a fifty dollar customer. Advertise the fifty dollar customer because you will get it. And if you want, you know, the five hundred dollar minimum customer, advertise it because you will get that too. And I'm right with Joe, man. Like I've been putting my pricing out, but I haven't had hardly any tire kickers since then. I really mm-hmm. haven't. So it's working for me. I've definitely been doing that. Did you hear the PDR thirty? Have you heard about that yet? Yes, I did. So. Yeah, I just got. I did before you called, but we'll I will get into that second later. But I, this is your 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 segment here. So, it, was there anything you'd like to add to that conversation that Joe and I had? 
Um, no, you know, you guys did a really good job of, of really thoroughly covering a lot of that stuff. I was, I have some encouragement. I think I can add, sure. um, I know Mike, you and I've talked about in the past. Um, I know you've, you've kind of mentioned a couple of times about when we talked about, uh, charging for drilling a hole, right? Manufacturing yeah. access. Yeah. Every, every student and, um, I create, I have, I talk about that story and I, yeah. and I bring it up in mobile tech Rex and they're blown away about it, but they, they yeah. said it all makes sense, but yes, I do. Go ahead. Right. So, so one of the, one of the ways that, I, that we talked about selling that is when we talked to a customer, I had one just today, a guy came in for a door ding, not, not very common here in a hail town, but uh, he gave me for a door ding. And I said, listen, where that den is on the door, I have two ways that I can fix it. I can disassemble the door, pull the door assembly off, get my tools up in the cavity there to work it out, which adds, you know, I think the dent was $154 dent and it was $217 in R&I. Right. Yeah. And I talked to him and I said, that's your option. So this could be about a three to $400 repair if you want us to disassemble it, or we can drill a hole in the end of the door and seal it and plug it when we're done. And, and that'll get us the access that we need without having to disassemble everything. And that's going to cut you back down to about 154, $155 or whatever the dent was. And, um, you know, he, he, I could tell he was struggling because he was the kind of guy who maybe didn't want to drill a hole in his door. Um, and I don't, he didn't make a decision. I don't know when he's going to come back. He seems very interested, but, um, he's the kind of guy who I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and he says, you know, I really don't want to drill a hole in my door. I think I want to opt for the, uh, disassembly version. And that's going to be about a $400 door ding. That's about an inch to an inch and a half long. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, legitimately, right. So, um, in the same way that we sell a uh, drill a hole to fix a door ding, um, one of the things that I often use when I'm selling a, a high dollar dent repair is I will quickly uh, use the comparative pricing feature in Mobile Tech RX, which I'm sure you're aware of. And um, that comparative pricing feature basically allows me to look at the data on the car for what the conventional repair price would be. Um, for instance, let's just take for an example, a Toyota RAV4 Fender. It has a big dent in the fender. Uh, my price is, let's say it's $1,000. And the customer's going, wow, that's a lot of money for a dent in a fender. And I said, well, let's take a quick peek at the comparative pricing feature. And it will tell me what an original Toyota fender painted labor and paint materials involved would cost you at a traditional body shop, right? A conventional body shop. And I'll, I'll draw the comparison right there. I'll let them see the screen, what the numbers say. And that fender um, for OEM, now, you and I know aftermarket fenders are a lot cheaper, but OEM fender, labor time, whatever it is, might be $1,100 to replace that fender. And now what I've done is I've, I've now helped them to recalibrate like their focus, not on my cost to repair it with PDR, but what my cost is compared to the alternative. And as soon as they hear that, well, if I replace the fender and it's $1,100 versus you repair it for $1,000, that's right when I start to point out the differences between PDR and conventional repair and how the value of PDR is much greater than a conventional repair because with a conventional repair, you're going to lose value on the vehicle. You're not going to have original man, uh, matched parts or, or matched paint at that point. And, you know, we've lost, we've diminished the value of the vehicle, meaning that when you go to sell it or trade it, you will not get the same amount that you would have had that vehicle not been painted or parts not been replaced. And as soon as I start to, and this is, I, I've seen this repeatedly, as soon as I start to draw the comparison between those two options, customers are kind of led down this journey where they start to kind of go, oh my goodness, well, why would I ever replace my fender or paint it for, you know, let's say 1100 versus have you fix it for a thousand and it's done in a day 
It's fixed without repainting or replacing parts, and I don't diminish the value of my vehicle. What happens is when they make the decision to fix it with PDR and choose a shop like yours and mine, they also have kind of become the own, their own hero in their own story, right? So we've kind of set them up to be the smart person who is now the hero of their story, who's gone, now that I know the information, of course, it's our job to educate. Now that I know the information, I see why it makes sense for me to choose PDR over conventional repair, even when the cost is, the difference is negligible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and, like that. and there are some times when a customer will choose our repair, because, even if it's more expensive than a conventional repair, because of just simply because of the value and the cycle time. Those two things will kill them every time. You'll, I think you'll, you know, if, if they're a reasonable person who, who has a, you know, who is the kind of customer that we want, who cares about their vehicles, concerned about the longevity and the value of the vehicle, um, it's an easy way to sell those higher repairs. So, just keep that in mind. Um, next time you guys are selling a big dent on the price guide prices and, and pull out that comparative pricing feature and let them see the difference. And, and then you can go right into also the different, not just the difference in price, but the difference in value and what they're getting and what it means for the long-term value of their vehicle. And that's good. And that's perfect. I love that too, because you're helping them take that journey and, and then letting them be the decision maker on that. And, and obviously exactly. it is the smartest, smartest choice. Let me ask you this, Paul. How do you, how do you, I have my ideas, but how do you focus on bringing that type of customer either, you know, to your website or, you know, into your shop? Like, how do you target those customers? What do you, what are you doing? Um, so a lot, uh, usually a lot of education. We want to, we want to be the guys who are the right. most knowledgeable out there. We want to be, um, with any of our social media posts, we want to be the company who is giving them value up front before they ever decide to come through the door or call us. You know, we want to be the guys who are looking out for their best interest. And one of the things that I say um, uh, to each customer that comes in the door here for hail repair is uh, I explain to them that I don't work for any insurance company. They are my customer and I prefer to make sure that I'm looking out for their best interest, not their insurance company's best interest. And um, what that does is it builds some instant rapport. They go, okay, I get it you want to help me navigate this claim so that I get what I want out of this because I've been paying a premium for however many years on my insurance and now I need it to cover my loss. And so I want to be the guy in, in my posts on my website who is going here are, here's information that you should know in the fastest, easiest and most simple way that I can say it. And I want to position myself in a way that makes me the expert and the most knowledgeable that can help guide them through so what sometimes is a very complicated process, yes. especially when you get insurance um, claims involved. You know, many people have not, there are many people who have never uh, filed an insurance claim on their car before and they get into their first claim and they're just like blown away by, you know, all the different things that they're hearing. And um, I want to build that rapport and that trusted customer as soon as I can. And so that's kind of the goal between posting educational posts and um, an informative post that'll help the customer make an informed decision. Yeah. And I think that's perfect because that's what I'm going down that road because I don't want it, you know, Hey, look, I love walk-ins and people who, you know, want to pay the two, $300 stuff, which is fine. But yeah. I want the big baller ones. I want the mm -hmm. thousand, fifteen, two thousand, three thousand $2,000 jobs, you know, mm -hmm. that would, that we would have charged back in the day for four or $500, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and yeah. So I think that, and my idea is kind of mixing with yours. We're almost on the same page. I mean, actually, you you are on the same page with me. I just, today, I created a video today. We're doing a dent on the Jeep. 
uh, cowl, you know, that famous uh, open Jeep door and, and the mirror hits it. So yeah, it came out to like $545, Paul, you know, and, yeah. and the guys who I'm training right now is a, a body man. He's like, Hey, well, it would have been, we would have painted it lower, but you know, there's a lot, lot involved in this, you know? And so what I'm trying to say, Paul is my idea is like, Hey, I've been filming it. And then I did a screen recording on my phone and I'm bringing it up, showing the customer what it, what it's going to cost you know, and, and educate them on that difference. But I like the educate, I like the part about the insurance part. How do you, how do you kind of, how would you word that? Like in a, in a video, what's, what's your thoughts? Um, when, when explaining to you, mean, uh, just to clarify when you mean, when we're trying to communicate to a customer through a post that it's possible their vehicle, it makes sense to have their vehicle, um, file a claim on their vehicle due to the damage. Yeah, yeah, Is that what you're, yeah. So, yeah, so for me, it's, I, I get that question a lot um, from customers. They'll say, well, should I, they'll ask me, well, should I file an insurance claim? And let me back up one step, Mike, because one of the things that I've found is that one of the things that I think you'll find, and many guys who start to implement the price guide pricing um, will find, is that as their prices on um, what used to be maybe a $150 to $300 dent that they would fix starts to jump up to the five, six, and $700 range or higher, um, you'll find a lot more people, they might react in a shocked way and go, wow, I didn't know it was going to be so much, which is usually, an, uh, that usually makes dent guys nervous. Then we start backpedaling trying to figure out, well, how can I lower the price? Can I give them a discount or whatever? And one of the hardest things to do is be silent and, and just sit in that uncomfortable moment where they've said, wow, that's a lot more than I expected it to be. Because what you want to do is you want to save them from running out the door, right? You want to try to get that job. So the hardest thing to do is just be silent, let that uncomfortable moment pass. And then the next question that you'll get oftentimes is they'll say, well, do you think I should file? Should I go through my insurance company for this? And that's at the point where I know that they're really serious about repairing this dent. They're not a tire kicker. You know, these people are really trying to find a solution to fix, fix their dent. And so I will ask them a few qualifying questions. I'll say, well, let me ask you this. Um, how did the damage happen? I, I'll ask something like, did you create the damage yourself or did someone else do the damage to your car? Right? Not, if they say, well, somebody hit me in a parking lot or my son backed into it, you know, that's going to tell me what's going to happen if they file a claim. What kind of a claim are they going to file? Is it a comprehensive or is it a collision claim? Right? So, and to, and to simplify that, for anybody who doesn't know and isn't familiar with um, insurance claims, a collision claim is typically... Uh, claim that you would make that is due to the negligence of the driver, right? So, uh, or or maybe a driver's family member, and they're not going to put it on their kid, you know, to pay for it. So um, they did the damage themselves. They hit something, they backed into something, they did something stupid, and they ended up with damage on their car. That would typically be considered a collision claim. Collision claims are the least ideal claim to make because typically the insurance company likes to hold that against you a little bit yep. more, right? Yep. They, they like to increase your premiums because you're filing claims uh, due to your own poor choices or habits or driving. Um, or when damage happens to you um, by a third party, let's say somebody in a parking lot, a, a hit and run, a vandalism claim, a hail claim, a tree limb claim, acorn claim, anything that happens, a deer strike happens to you, you can't control it. That's usually called a, a comprehensive claim. That counts against you a little bit less in the insurance world. Um, so if I find out that the customer 
had the damage caused by a third party, such as a hit and run, a deer strike, hail damage, a tree limb or whatever else. Um, and I've, 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 I've fixed some weird ones too, man. I've had a guy come in with a, a turkey flew out of the, <laughs> across the road and hit the guy on the side of the door. So it, it, all kinds of weird stuff, right? That's all collision claim. I'm not kidding you, Mike. This is a funny one. I had Alexis come in with an A-pillar uh, dent one time where the guy said he was standing in a parking lot and something came out of the sky and smashed into his car. And he later found out, and I don't mean to be crass and crude guys, but he later found out that it was a piece of frozen uh, feces from an airplane that had had a malfunction and it dropped a piece of frozen feces Ew. out of the plane oh my and gosh. hit his car. Oh my no joke, gosh, man. Dude. No joke. I mean, you name it, I've 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 had it come into the shop. It's been crazy. But um, when a con when a when a comprehensive claim like that happens, it's usually the best case scenario for for an insurance claim. The insurance company is going to cover it. It's not going to be held against the customer as much as a collision claim will. And usually uh, now when you find out that it may go to insurance, now the only price that you have to worry about is what is their deductible, right? So for instance, um, let's say, you know, that same Toyota RAV4 Fender, I put $1,000 on it. Customer says, is it worth filing a claim? I say, how did it happen? They say, well, somebody backed into me while it was parked in front of my house. I don't know who it was and they just left and run. I automatically know that's a comprehensive claim. They need to file a claim. Next question is, well, what's your deductible? They say to me, well, my deductible is, you know, a thousand bucks. Now I say to them, here's the deal. At this point, if you have a thousand dollar deductible, my bill is a thousand dollars, then there's, it's a wash. There's no sense in filing a claim. You're just going to put yourself through a whole bunch of hassle for no reason. You might as well pay out of pocket, right? If they, if let's say that dent is a $500 dent and they say, I have a, $1,000 deductible, I'm going to say, no brainer, pay it out of pocket. Don't file a claim. But if my repair is $1,000 and their their uh, their deductible is $250, then I'm going to say, well, Mr. Customer, it probably makes a lot of sense in this scenario for you to file a claim because the most out of your pocket that you're going to put is $250 and the insurance company is going to pay me the additional $750 to fix this dent. Yep. Right? So, so it's... um. So you, we, we're also educating in that t at that point, as you probably heard, you know, I'm explaining to them the difference between collision and comprehensive if they don't know it. I'm explaining to them the difference between conventional repair and PDR. And then I'm explaining to them some things they may not know about how insurance claims and policies work. And at, all the, at, at the same time that all that is happening, remember what you're doing is you're building rapport with the customer. The customer is going, man, Mike Toledo is really knowledgeable. You know, he knows what he's talking about. He's been down this path. I can trust him because he seems to have done this before and he knows what he's talking about. And who doesn't want to have somebody who really knows what they're talking about do the work on their car, yep. you know, especially when it's their second biggest investment in their life. So, um, it, you know, so, so you got to consider all those things because really what you're doing is you're kind of killing three birds with one stone by educating the customer, um, you know, uh, also building rapport with them and then establishing the difference and the value of PDR from conventional repair, you know? So it's, it's really great that that stuff can all happen at that's, the same that's time. That's good education right there, Paul. That's really good, man. Yeah. Thank you. That, uh, that really helps. That kind of visualizes. So basically what you're saying, Paul, in, in a nutshell, is spend some time with the customer, explain things, the scenarios, um, and, and obviously they're going to build, you're building trust as you're having that conversation with them. Um, is, am I right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. And it's worth it. I'll, I'll tell you, it's worth it because not only will you, in many cases, I think you'll win the customer um, right there on that particular job, but I think you're going to win a customer for the long haul because 
you've brought so much value to the table and helped educate them and put their mind at ease that they found the right guy to do the job because um, you are knowledgeable and you will take your time to talk and walk them through the things that have happened, will happen. And I think you'll find that you end up finding uh, customers for life out of that. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, here's, here's something, you know, you, you assume that I'll be everyone's using mobile tech or X and the, at least the people who are using it understand how to use it. Um, I was recently training somebody and I told him, yeah, we, you know, mobile tech or X. He goes, oh, I use that. I said, oh, you do? Cool. So I'm doing the video and I'm showing how, you know, I'm, he's watching me do the process of uh, pulling up the numbers for the thing. And he's like, I didn't know there was a price guide on it. I go, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? He, well, I didn't know there was a price guide. I was just punching in like, you know, pr the per dent, whatever it is, right? He just puts, mm -hmm. a, puts a number what he thinks it's going to be. Yeah. I said, no. I go, now, now, the, now the Mobile Tech RX is the bad guy. You're not the bad guy anymore. He goes, holy crap, right. son of a gun, man. So, <laughs> so it's amazing that, you know, people don't, you know, they, they, they have the tool, but they might not be using it correctly, you know, and the way you use it with all these little, you know, suggestions and, and points that you're making it really, it really is, uh, it's, it makes life a lot easier and you're not such a bad guy, you know, the, it makes the mm -hmm. mobile tech or X the bad guy. So that's good. Um, yeah. And yeah, go ahead. I, uh, I was just gonna mention, uh, one of the, I saw a post recently, uh, somebody was having to do hail, hail, a hail estimate on a, like an exotic car. And one thing, just kind of along the lines of what you were just saying, that I, I don't think a lot of guys know is when you're in uh, Mobile Tech RX and you're writing a hail estimate, you can change the hail matrix, which I think many people probably know. But for those who don't know, if you're dealing with exotic cars um, in hail, there is uh, a, I believe it's called the exotic matrix or the, or the extreme matrix that I worked on with uh, the guys at Mobile Tech RX. I'm going to pull it up right now so you can find it. And um, what you guys want to know is whenever you're estimating a, an exotic car uh, or anything, specialty car, you probably ought to use that matrix. Um, it is going to give you a vastly different number than even the standard matrix. And I want to say, if I remember correctly, when we wrote it, it was doubled. So wow. um, that's important to know. It's called the specialty matrix. Um, so if you guys are looking for uh, exotic car hail estimating, use the specialty matrix. Speaking of hail, how do you, I'm going to just switch the subject a little bit here, but how do you like doing hail? Because you were out of shop for a very long time. And how many years is this now? I mean, how many seasons are you uh, doing hail now? Um, so see, I'm in, I'm in my third or fourth season of hail. Um, hail has been um, good. It's been great. I, I enjoy it. I don't mind it. Um, I have found that, you know, uh, as you can imagine, one of the ways that I help the team the most is by estimating and negotiating with the insurance companies. And then usually when I'm finished doing all that, then I'll jump out and help guys push on metal. Um, but uh, I'll tell you this, it is extremely hard on the family. Yeah. Um, it's that, that is not something I think the hail game is for young single guys and for older empty nesters, you know, yep. um, truthfully, I think those are really kind of the ideal ages. The problem is people love the money and they, and a lot of guys love the road, you know, they love that lifestyle. So, um, I'm in the process of, of trying to rework how I do hail and how often I'm on the road each season. And so next year we're going to try some, um, some new things where I'm going to try to be home more often and more frequently and travel less. 
uh, just because I know it's the right thing to do for my family and, and uh, my kids and my wife. And, and um, so I'm going to kind of change that up because it, it is a hard thing for families having dad on the road for as many months as, as uh, some of these guys are out there. And I mean, they're warriors, man. I know, I know a lot of them are doing it from a heart where they just want to take care of their families. And I, I respect that so much. Um, but man, it, I know for my family, and I'm not saying this is true for everybody, for my family, it, it's just very difficult for them. And so I'm, I'm having to kind of rework that and see how that goes. And, uh, but what's great is, man, with the use of some of these tools like Mobile Tech RX, and um, I think I'm going to be able to help a lot of people remotely with um, things like estimates and, and claims and negotiations. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how I can learn and grow in that as well. Well, um, and we're already starting to implement some of that stuff, which is great. Good, um, and that's and you know, Paul, I think that's super important that you get that experience under your under your belt, being on the road, man. I know you fixed hail in in where uh, sure. uh, Virginia, right? Is that where you're from? Yeah, originally? yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I know you get tons. It's not like you don't know how to fix hail. It's just the experience being on the road. And believe me, I've done it for mm -hmm. a couple years straight. And um, I'm right with you, man. I, I it was very hard on the family, and I was homesick as hell, dude. Like I, I yeah. For sure. I, I didn't like the the travel much. It wasn't built for me. Um, mm -hmm. I was just going to, gosh, I lost my train of thought here, man. Uh, far, Sorry, I sidetracked you, man. No, no. no <laughs> it, 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 we're, we're good because I was, I was thinking, um, what, what, so we, we've got this little thing we were talking about, man, and I, I really want to see, I'd like to see more of your sales stuff, dude. You know what I mean? Like you, you're the Mr. Yeah. Smooth Talker. You're so... Not in the smooth talkers and con artists, dude. All right, yeah. Nobody, but you're very confident. I take it in talking. as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, you. yeah. You're super, you're super confident on there. Um, your vocabulary with with people and and terminology. You don't make them feel dumb. That's important too, as well. I mean, I I've learned that. Don't don't go try to out like use term terminology that the customer doesn't understand. It makes you, it basically scares them off. You know. Did you practice any of that stuff or are you, how do you, you just all experience? I mean, how do you, how do you gather your, your terminology with, with customers? How do you, uh, how did you build your communication with customers? You know, I, I think so, I, man, that's kind of a deep question for you. Sure. You want to go there? Uh, you know, um, I, 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 we got a little time. I'll, so. the, I'll give you the short version. Um, okay. So I think, I think it started Mike and I don't, I don't mean to be, I don't, tell me if this is just getting off track and I'm boring people, but um so I, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. Um, I went to three different elementary schools. I went to three different middle schools and I ended up at one high school and that's the, I finished at a high school and that's the longest time I'd ever been to one school year, year after year. And what I found was it put me in a lot of positions where I was constantly the new guy. I constantly had to, you know, mix it up with different types of people, different groups of people, and just had to learn how to kind of assimilate into groups pretty quickly and meet, make friends. Right. So I guess, I think that was kind of when I first started my, you know, training, how do you talk to people? How do you become a friendly personality that you can kind of strike up a conversation and not be the new guy for too long, you know? Um, and then, um, as I, um, got into adulthood, um, I found myself playing a lot of music. I'd play, you know, I play at bars and different venues and stuff like that. So you'd have to be in front of a crowd and sing and you'd have to talk a little bit and that kind of thing. And then eventually I ended up working for my church as a worship uh, director of a big, pretty big church. We, you know, maybe like 4,000 people in the church and kind of high production cameras and the sound systems and all sort of stuff. And, and I was the guy on the stage with the guitar singing, you know, and leading the band. So 
you, you get I, through all of that experience and having to talk in public in front of big groups, it was nerve wracking um, for a long time. And, and then you just start to get more comfortable with it. And that just kind of led into my adult career in PDR and dealing with customers and then speaking at seminars and podcasts and things like that. And I guess you just kind of slowly get acclimated to it, you know, and, and draw from the experiences and just get comfortable in your own skin and go, listen, I, you know, some there's probably guys out there who don't love the way that I talk or the way that I present. But, um, you know, I, I can't I can't help that. I'm just going to be me, you know, <laughs> do my thing. No. So that, and, that, and if it works, sense. then awesome. Yeah, that makes so. sense. Um, here's another question here. You guys, you're out in the hail. Anything new that you're using differently now, like tool wise, like what, what's your go-to tools Are you've always been using the same tools. And if you are using the same tools, what are they? Any tech tips you can, you can add out there that you've learned? Maybe you can share. I know I gave yeah, you like three, um, ask you three questions in one statement, but you know, no, of, that's all good. Uh, so, so I'm, uh, let me see. I definitely diehard carbon tech fan. I use all his stuff. You know, he obviously is a friend guy. of mine, a partner, but that guy, but, uh, <laughs> no, Todd's awesome. He really he is, is a good guy. He's a great guy. As a matter of fact, um, I definitely use all his hail stuff. I just, I love his hail rod. I use it. Um, I have been, um, <clears throat> using a lot of standliner tools. Uh-huh. Um, I was a little bit reluctant at first because I wasn't sure if I wanted to learn that, but once, you know, take the time to really acclimate to those tools. But, um, man, I'll tell you what, they are really pretty amazing in my opinion. So I've been using a lot of the standliners as a matter of fact. Uh, so the snake tool, okay. Um, the pirate hook Uh and then their door hooks. I use their door hooks quite a bit and I'll tell you something that I did. Um, uh, I, I won't tell you which one, but I cut up some of those tools and I, and I retrofitted <laughs> them to a, to a hail rod uh-huh. because they're that incredible when you're working on deep stretched, big hail dance. So, um, so, uh, both Tim and I have been working with that and messing around with that. Um, besides that, you know, I'm trying to think, um, the, I would tell you for hail, I would tell anybody this, um, you absolutely, everyone who's doing hail absolutely should always Go out and buy a full set of Excalibur tools, Rick Humbert's tools. They are like almost like nothing else that's out there for hail when you're working on hoods and deck lids and things like that. You're talking about the curved ones, right? With the hand red handles? Yeah. Yes. That's right. The ones that have the big funky curve in them. We call them the hay hooks. Yeah. And then um, he's got some other ones with some slight curves and things in them. And man, I'll tell you, I I don't know if it's because he's genius or because he just stumbled upon a really great design, but those tools are awesome if you're pushing hail i don't think if if you haven't used them when you do you're gonna wonder how you even push dents on hoods and decklids for so long without them i have a set too so, and, I, and i really love it and i and i do he's he's he does he thinks out of the box too man he is yeah yeah, yeah he does i i can't sure. i can't agree you've you've had those for a while though right i i know you said something good about those maybe a couple years ago right I, I did. I think I, I had them like, I want to say three, four years ago. Yeah. Um, and I started using them. And what, what's interesting is that was before I was pushing hail. And I found that uh, what's, what's interesting is when you hear this, you'll understand. Um, if, if you guys ever, some might remember the post I made where I was working on a Porsche 911, I think it was like an S, like a wide body quarter panel. And, um, you know, had the tire off and gutted the wheel well and everything. 
And there are some manufactured holes in there, the Porsche leaves in there. And it was the only tool that I could get to go in through the manufacturer hole and hook back down to the lip of the quarter panel, the wheel well, yeah. or close to it where the dent was. And right then and there, I knew, okay, this is something different and special. This is really interesting. And I posted about that. Um, but I'll tell you, once once I got it into a regular routine of hail with hoods and deck lids, I mean, there is just, I, I, I can almost fix entire hoods and deck lids with just his tools. That's almost all you need. And you're more efficient you know? now too, right? I would imagine. Oh, way more, way more efficient. Way more efficient, a lot more torque in those tools. They're much more ergonomic. So, you know, they use kind of your Describe natural body them. motion. Describing them again, because I think something like, I, I bet you more than half these listeners have no idea what we're talking about and they don't know how to describe this type yeah. of tool. I, I'll give you a great description of them. So most guys are familiar with dent crafts, uh, red and yellow flag tools, you know, the hand tools. Yep. Um, typically those look like a straight run and they have a, about a 45 foot flag tip. And they, I think Dencraft for a while was doing a slight bend in the middle of, the, of that, that tip, that tool. Um, well, if you were to take a flag tool from Dencraft, put a beefy handle on it, and then put a, a semi-circle curve in the tool. I mean, I'm talking like, like you know, from one end to the other, it. like a half of a ball, like yeah. a half of like a basketball or a soccer ball. Yeah. That is exactly what that tool is. And, and when you look at it at first, you go... Well, this isn't going to really get me that far. And how the heck am I supposed to leverage with this thing? You know, that's that's what you're thinking when you first see it. And then you start to use it inside of factory holes and you realize those those curved tools go so much further than you think because that curve gets you over to areas that you never and maybe you wouldn't never uh, expect to get to with a flag a straight tool, but they just work so much better in getting access to corners of hoods and 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 deck lids and and any braced area i mean they really are pretty incredible i wish i could explain how efficient and how effective they are but unfortunately the reality is guys just have to try and see what i mean yeah and i agree they are freaking fantastic i've, I've been using their his sidekick tools as well i'm not mm -hmm. sure if you have any of those but they have come really good torque and and um they're kind of like, almost like a finesse tool but it's got more of a a poke, a poke hook to it and a heel more of a heel to it but mm -hmm. yeah he thinks outside the box man on 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 the type of tools he he likes so he's good at those curved tools man so yeah <laughs> what else is going to say that well, i think that's that that's basically i want to know and pick your brain on man and follow up with you i've been trying to say oh, i'm going to get paul on. i'm going to get paul on man but I, I i i know you're you're really busy man and and i get it man well so maybe when you're home next season I can be, I can get you on a couple of times, man. Heck yeah, buddy. I, I try to be, I try to be as available as I can for you. I know it's a, we've had a few misses here and there, but uh, absolutely, Mike. Um, I'll, I'll always answer your call. Man, Paul, and listen, I, I want to say um, happy pushing out there. Tell, tell the gang, your, your brother, Tim and, and that dude, Todd. And by the yeah, way, okay. By the way, I want to give out a shout out to Todd too. Tell him, please tell him, thank you very much. I, I asked him, I, you know, I was having a little bit of, shall I say, a challenge with my magnetic ball, right? I, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I couldn't get it to stay, you know, like it was mm -hmm. like I was using the Stucky light and it just kept going, you know, kind of like turning over a little bit. Yeah. So I, I decided to put some cold glue in there, you know, <laughs> yep. that made it worse. So I took that off, yep. and, that, and so I freaking go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sand it, dude. Like I'm gonna sand it, see if that'll help. That made it worse, and, and I was like, well, it didn't. 
So I called Todd and I said, hey, man, is there anything that it can, is there anything that we can, I can do? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. He's like, well, you can, you can move it around for five minutes and then see if that will work. I said, all right, cool. And then like not even a minute later, he's like, I'm sending another one. I'm like, no, nah, dude, mm-hmm. I, I don't want another one. I just, I just want a simple fix. I, I don't need another one. I know those things are expensive. Too late. Dude, I got a tracking number in like another minute later. So yeah. the customer service so, with Todd is just legit, dude. Oh, uh, no, no doubt, dude. If you guys haven't met Todd, Todd is one of the probably the most generous guys, most genuine guys. And uh, he really stands behind his product. And I know that uh, we've talked about it uh, quite a bit. Um, and it's, it's really few and far between. But um, occasionally, I think it sounds like some of the manufacturing, they have an issue with the way that they've um, ground down that, that inner circle. Uh-huh. that the magnet fits into yeah. so it's not a perfect fit with the ball and then other times it sounds like some of the lamination between the magnet and this and the aluminum uh housing or the steel housing is not quite right and that'll break loose so yeah it can be one of a couple of different problems it usually isn't design related it's usually manufacturing related which you know you can't there's only so much you can do no, to, to control not that um but but todd todd is like that with i see i hear it all the time he's on the phone all the time going Nope, not a problem. Send it back to me. I'll send you a new one. Not even, not even a question. Todd is just like that, and uh, he'll stand behind his product. So yeah. I have no doubt about that. CarbonTechPDRTools.com, guys. CarbonTechPDRTools. Check that out. Um, also, if you're a Dent Trainer member, go on there. Go on the community area. He's offering 15% off. The promo code is on, on the site on the new Dent Trainer. Hey, I need to see. He's got you. some. He's got some cool stuff coming too, man. I'll tell you what. I'm pretty stoked. I I'm lucky enough to know kind of what's going on behind the curtains, but I'm pretty stoked for some of the stuff. I won't say another word about it, but it's pretty exciting. So I know. I'm looking forward to it. I know. I've been getting hints uh, here and there, and I yeah. I'm excited for <laughs> him being excited. So it, it's great. Yeah. Well, listen. Awesome. I I know how. Are you two hours ahead now? Is that ten o'clock over there or what? time is it no right now it's nine We're, i'm only an hour oh you're midwest you. that's right okay yep. yeah well mountain time get the hell go 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 get out of here go finish your cars putting them away and then go go talk to your family man so all right all right buddy all right man. thanks mike thanks paul thanks for coming on bro really appreciate it you talk to you it. later dude see ya my pleasure bye-bye all right so that's todd i'm todd <laughs> oh my gosh man paul corden you guys, Paul Corden, uh, as you guys can tell, you past listeners who, who hung in there know Paul Corden, uh, another top-notch guy, man. Another, another, another one. Um, you ever get to meet him, say hi to him. One of the most uh, humble dudes in the industry. I say that about everybody, but I'm not going to bring anybody an a-hole on here. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is one of the most biggest a-holes in the world, man, but go meet him. <laughs> so, again, about Todd, again, as you heard me say, um, 15% off. If you're a dent trainer member, go to the community area. You'll see the discount codes there. VIP offering 10%, by the way, Stuckey's 10%, uh, a limited, I think is 10%, uh, Glexo's 20%, um, uh, ultra, I think is 10 to 15%. I can't remember which one it is. And if we don't have a discount, unfortunately, um, people have been asking me about Anson. They don't have a discount, but they have really good customer service. So you guys know that. And they do have things here and there. So check out those companies. A1, I don't have a, a discount code from A1. I will see maybe, um, but it's it, it, they, they have good customer service as well. So Dentcraft, 
I don't have one yet. I think I might try to hit them up and see that. I know I'm missing a couple here and there, but from those tool companies right there, you should be able to get a lot of stuff. I know Unlimited carries a lot of different tools too, so you should be able to get a little discount somewhere around there too. So, so now we're going to talk about the other topics here. All right. So uh, what is my other topic? So I see, I wanted to make sure. So we finished up PDR 30. All right. So I want to talk about cost awareness. And I kind of, kind of was telling Paul about that. I want to create more videos and Joe is already doing it, but I want to do it myself consistently creating videos with screen recordings and cost proofing. So cost proofing is showing, proving to the customer that what the value of that repair is going to be, not just putting down a number, but walking through the repair along with the estimate. And I want to try to do it within a minute, minute and a half. I really would like to do it ideally within a minute. And that's, you guys are more welcome to run with that idea too. It, I think it's going to be important. You guys know me, but I don't, here's my deal. I'm getting away from all my super polished videos, like, you know, effects and graphics and stuff like that. That's cool and everything, but I'd rather have more quantity and I'm not trying to give up quality, but I want to just make quick, professional, simple, educational, professional videos. You know, there's, there's a time and place for me to do all these polished, you know, graphics, look at this, point that, do that, yada, yada. But I really want to do more cost proofing, cost awareness. It's going to be, it's important. I'm going after that type of customer. I, I, you heard Paul and I talk. I want to go after the high dollar customers. I don't want to confuse my brand anymore. I don't want to confuse my customers. I don't want to dilute, dilute my brand. I, I want high, higher dollar valued customers. I don't want to give away my dents. I don't want my technicians working for free. And it's, it's funny when you, when you charge the value of what you're worth, everyone wins and you feel better and you do better work. We know, we all know that. Have you ever felt bad that you walked away from a repair going, man, I, I kind of ripped that person off. No, because you generally know 95% of the time you're lower than a, than a body shop. I'm not saying that's, that's fine. Sometimes customers go, wow, that's almost more than a body shop. My answer is, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, custom, you know, PDR, it's not always cheaper than a body shop. It's just always better. So I think that's, that's important that we, we, or that I, sorry, again, I kind of say we, because I feel you guys are like me, but I don't want to feel in a way that I'm telling you what to do. I'm suggesting, but I don't want to tell you. I don't want to offend anybody either. And I'm not trying to do that. I'm just passionate about making this, making a difference in the industry, or at least my customers in my area to know that 
I'm not going to get walked over anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I'm going to uncondition how we used to do pricing and, and yada, yada, that. And some, and, and I'm going to lose customers and I'm, I'm fine with customers that I can still fix, but I'm just too expensive. I, that's a better feeling than, yeah, I can fix it, but I feel like crap because I hope no other dent guys see how cheap I am. And some of you guys said I was cheap on one pricing. Some of you guys said I was expensive on the other. Most of you said I was pretty right on. I'm, I'm not, it's not a contest, everybody. We all know, every single one of us at one point of time, consistently charge too low. Some of us are, will always be afraid to raise our pricing. It's unfortunate because our, our, it's in our heads. We have this roadblock, this mental roadblock. We picture that customers are going to say, no, get out of here. That's too expensive. We already created the problem before it, it was a problem. And it's not. That's, you got to uncondition your, your thinking. But again, I don't want to stay on that subject and keep going on and on. I'll get you next time. I'll get you in another podcast. So watch out for that. And that's why I'm doing that. That's why I'm going to do cost awareness, cost proofing videos. I think it's consistent. The more consistent I do it, the more customers are going to feel more trusted with the, who I am, what my company is about. And they're going to feel comfortable using my service. I know that. I did that before and other things. I know they're going to do it this way. They're asking. You know, I, I posted on something on my Instagram showing or my Facebook page and my Instagram showing that customers are really asking how much do you charge? And I'm sure that question has popped up on one of you guys' feeds or, or comments or, you know, something like that. So it needs to be addressed. I'm going to do it. I'm not speaking for you guys, but I'm going to speak for myself. No more guessing. All right, let's talk about Instagram tips. Instagram tips. I got, I got a bunch of them. Oh, and by the way, uh, we're working on, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I'm working on a virtual seminar. Um, it's a different type of seminar, though. It's an accountability seminar. It's where you're going to take a course and you're going to have homework every day. We're going to, we're going to get through it. We're going to build our businesses together. I'm going to show you the formula that is going to be a win. Guaranteed results. As long as you do it. As long as, long as you're accountable for yourself. So stay tuned for that. Details will be coming as soon as I get that groundwork laid it down. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's not going to be a huge group. So it will be limited because there's only so many people we can do that with. And we're not we're limited. Maybe it might be 10 to 15 at max. So stay tuned for that. And it's not going to be thousands of dollars either. But I guarantee you, you'll make thousands of dollars if you follow that formula. So. We'll talk about that. Instagram tips. 
So your hashtag. So I don't know if you've noticed, you, you probably might've followed me and I've been pretty, I've been consistently putting the same hashtags pretty much my whole, almost every post. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I've been making mistakes and I've learned a few things and I've watched a few things and I'm looking at stuff. And for the most part, Instagram for me is growing really well. But I'm going to be, I'm not going to get to, I'm not going to beat around the bush, but you need to, you need to mix up your hashtags. You need to have like a long base hashtags, short base hashtags, variety of different hashtags. So what I'm saying is short base, like, like maybe four to 12 longs would be like 15 to 30. I think you can only go 30 anyways. And then have different segments, not, you know, not paintless dent repair every single time. Now, because, you know, paintless dent repair is getting more popular. Dent repair is getting more popular. The more popular a hashtag is, the more lost your post will be. So you can, you know, if you're doing a motorcycle tank, you could say a Harley Davidson motorcycle tank. There's not that many people doing that, right? You know, dent removal repair tank or how to fix dent removal. You know, if you're doing a repair, people look for that. Dent repair near me, San Diego. You see what I'm saying? We, we you need to get more creative. And what I do, and this is the real tip, I, I go on my notes on my phone and I write down all these different hashtags, right? Put it in a group, copy it, and then I go to my shortcuts on my phone and I paste it in there as a phrase. So I hit like HTG3, HTG4, and all the and all those different hashtags will come up. So I don't have to keep typing it in. And I will rotate my hashtags now. So you'll see that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, that's one of the things I'm doing. So I would definitely do that, ladies and gentlemen. Mix up your hashtags. Sometimes have short ones, sometimes have long ones. Depends on how many times you post. You just do that. So that's, that's a tech tip for Instagram. The, the more you change it up, the more likely different followers are going are gonna to see you. The algorithm is going to throw your feet up higher. So what's that mean? You become more popular in your industry, not just the PDR industry. I'm talking more popular in your, your, your niche, your area. Stop thinking about other dent guys too, or dent gals or dent companies. Do it before your customers. If you think customer first, you'll be more productive. You think PDR community first, you always hesitate. Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Someone might say something. What, what do you think the other guys will say? F them. You're running a business, man. Nobody's paying you. Do it. Do the way you want to do it. Don't worry about what the community thinks unless you're totally like you, you know you shouldn't be doing something, right? But don't, don't, don't let that get in the way of what you want to do. 
Instagram is awesome. It really is. Now, I would do more, also, I would do more educational posts. Not as in teaching the PDR community, which is great. You could do that. But if you could say, hey, this is Mike Toledo. I'm here. And this car right here, just to let you know, we are actually working on this vehicle. And there's a brace right here. So in these cases, we charge about this much. And you can start just educating the customer. How, like, what type of dent this is? What type of dent that is? What's the difference between this? Where areas are the most problem areas in the door? If you talk like that, you're building more trust. I do it all the time, ladies and gentlemen. All the time. Don't forget to post your, let them know your phone number. And by the way, congratulations to everybody that has came out of their shell doing live videos. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Ray Gonzalez from Dent Effect. Way to go, dude. Way to go. He was terrified. And now he looks like a freaking, like he's been doing it the, his whole career. Christopher Dale. Way to go. Man, I can't, I can't, the, a lot of you guys are doing it, man. I and mean, congratulations. I, I, I'm really proud of you guys doing it right now. At the end, I'm going to give us some more shout outs to like on the next podcast. I, I know I'm, missing a few people. I know there's a, I know the, um, I'm trying to lose my train of thought. I'm thinking of other people, but I don't want to bust up the names and stuff like that. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll make some call outs on, on that. Um, I'm going to actually do some, uh, some read offs, uh, the podcast if, uh, for people who've, who've left a review. And so I'll read those off towards the end of the podcast. I also want to get to another segment called, um, it, well, it, the Advanced PDR Students Common Challenges, okay? That can be, let me tell you something about what it really is. When people come see me, I, I, I apologize, guys, if, I'm, if my head's going a different way because I'm kind of looking at my note and then I'm looking, I'm thinking about my head and, and I've been doing some advanced training along with some, you know, basic training all the way to the end. And the most common, and this is not just recently, this is, this is um, from past as much as I can remember till now, the most common challenge that advanced students have, get ready for this, is themselves. It's themselves. But the great thing about people who come to do advanced training is that they've, they, they've already mentally made the commitment to get to the next level. Um, so I'm going to talk about mental, and then I'm going to talk about the physical part of learning PDR. Like what, what are the, some of the things that most people and we and listen we don't have to be a you don't have to be an advanced student to understand this because a lot a lot a lot of you are probably feeling the same yeah i I don't want just just say let's say general people out there general pdr techs themselves their thinking gets in the way the confidence shall i say right i want to charge this but i don't i'm not good enough to charge that uh, 
I want to advertise, but I'm not good enough. I want to get a website, but I don't want to get customers because I'm not good enough. And I get it. I get it. I mean, it's, we're like a slave to our own selves. So that's, that's a mental part right there. The, the physical part, like the learning part is now this is probably, again, this is a real common is finishing, right? Finishing the dent. So a lot of them get to like 90% and, and I'll say, push, I am pushing. No, you're not, you're not pushing. What tool are you using? I'm using this. Why are you using that tool? Tip. That's what I've always used. I go, well, that's, that's, we need to change that tip. Because when you use that tip, and I'm talking about soft tip, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, when you use a soft tip and you go to finish, you're not hitting the pit anymore. You're hitting the sidewalls. You're bringing it up like a volcano. And what's that cause? It causes a little bit of stretchness. It makes it more tighter. So when you go to knock down, if you're good at knocking down, well, you wouldn't have used have to use the, the soft tip as much because when you knock down, you have to be accurate. And if you don't, if you knock down too much too further outside the center, which can happen, you create what? Micro lows. And now you have lows on the outside, tight sidewall. In a pit. But then you're going back and using the same tip. And you kind of go in a circle. And it's growing. And it's getting chewy and messy. Then you're sanding. It doesn't help. It just clears it, makes it more obvious for you. Like, well, there's the lows for sure. And there's the highs. Which can be good in a good way sometimes. But most of the time, if you're not making it any better... You're just making it different. So the tip on that, the, bit, the challenge for these students is physically pushing harder, more harder than they think, and tapping down. Along with new, different tools, current tools. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, tools make a difference. I can't tell you, students come especially the advanced, obviously. And they go, wow, I did not know this tool can do this. I didn't, had no idea. And you know what? Half the time, it's not generally the tool, it's the tip. It's a tip. Understand your tools. Don't try to use the same tip to finish the start and finish the whole dent. I mean, us veteran techs, you know how to finish? Yes. Then you understand the rule. And when you understand the rule, you can break the rule. But until you really understand the foundation, all the one-on-ones, then, then you, can, you can, that's where your style develops. But, but develop your one-on-one. I don't care if you're a 10-year tech, 15-year tech, but you know, we all know five-year tech. If you can't finish, 
consistently, well then, why are you breaking the rules? So I'm going to give you a tech tip how, how, I, how I would handle a deeper dent. So we have a deep dent, sharp dent. Matter of fact, I'm going to be doing one. Uh, matter of fact, one of my past students just messaged me, Martin, and he said, Mike, can you really do a deep, 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 sharp ding? I said, okay, I'll do it this week. So we've got another one right now. We got, we're doing a deep dent on a Jeep. I was just telling you, Paul, that. And the dang darn secret about doing deep dents, there's a few things, okay? Tip choicing, like choosing the right tips and tapping down. Oh, and a few other little things. Moving your board, cross-checking, switching sides. I tell my techs, get some exercise. What do you mean? Move around. Get up. Sit down. Stand up. Switch sides. Get some exercise. You should not be standing in the same place when you fix a dent. You should be cross-checking above, across, below. Switch sides below, across, above. Guess what? Now you did a 360 degree. That's exactly how you work a dent. You, you work it from all areas. It has to be looking good from all angles. The board needs to move vertically, horizontally, diagonally, along with the way you look at the dent. Remember that. Your Sherlock, the board is Watson. Watson is your assistant. But if you don't ask Watson, he's not going to be able to help you. You got to solve the problem. Fix the dent. A lot of people ignore it. You got to treat that light as a business partner when you're working. Or a spotter. You guys, a lot of you guys like to shoot guns or rifles. You know, if you want to hit the target, you got to have a nice, a long range target. You got to have a, a, a spotter. Not all the time, but you know, I'm just trying to put it in perspective. Move the board. That's such an overlooked one-on-one foundation rule. You fog guys, move that board back. Get the broad look. Put your face close to the panel. Look for detail. Line board guides, again, move it around. Move the lines thinner as the dent gets smaller. Sometimes you have to break the rule. You bring it in. When you got a deep dent, as soon as it starts getting smaller, the lines need to get smaller. As soon as it gets tight, you get a tap down. And when you tap down, guess what happens? The dent gets shallower. And when the dent gets shallower, then you don't have to be as accurate when you push. But if it's a deep dent, it's super sharp, you have to be a sniper. You have to be a perfect push. And a lot of us aren't. So why, why take the chance of poking it up? Your tapping down is just as important, if not more important, than anything else. 
learn to move the board. And another thing, as they get then get smaller, learn to push with different tips. You should be matching your tip up with the size of the dent or smaller. Make the tips at least a little smaller so you're, you can push the center, not the sidewalls. And don't use metal sharp tips if you have a deep dent. Unless you understand the rule, then you can break the rule. When you come to training, these things are implemented to you right off the bat. You don't understand those, you will never finish a dent clean. I'm giving you guys some valuable tips right here on how to finish. Mark my words, I will be doing an updated deep, deep, deep ding repair. And we'll be showing you how this Jeep, how this Jeep can give you a real problem. So let's go back to the Jeep. And I'll show you how, I'll talk to you about how we're fixing it. Because I am putting this on, on Dent Trainer this weekend. And I have so many videos I put out, but I haven't even put them out on YouTube yet. My priority right now is Dent Trainer. If I had Dent Trainer and I was a struggling PDR tech, but I know about Dent Trainer, I don't know what, I, what I'm thinking. I would get the hell on there. I, I would get on there. Some of the things I'm, I'm telling you are on there. Actually, all of them are on there. And you can visually see what I'm talking about. Why would you want to keep struggling and say, I'll figure it out my own. I'll figure it out my own. Why? Why not? Why not just watch a few videos and go, man, I hear this all the time. I've known about Dent Trainer. I don't know why I didn't get on there. I don't know why it took me so long. I, I just, I, I apologize. I've, I've learned so much right there. And I'm not trying to be chauvinistic. I, if you like my, what I'm saying, if I make sense, it's going to make sense to be on denttrainer.com. Besides, you're going to get tool discounts. You're going to understand about new tools, how they can save you time and make you more money. So we're working on this cowl. You know, the, the front fender, you know, the part above the front fender. It looks like a separate piece, but it's basically it's part of the fender. Anyways, what happens is the Jeeps, they, um, you can take off the doors and they have those straps. Well, some people forget to put the straps on. And what happens is that the door will swing open, the window where the air, where the wind will take the, the door and swing it around and the plastic mirror goes right into that cowl. It makes a deep dent right there. At first, you're going to, if you're not familiar with these and you look at them, especially on a white one like this, it doesn't look that bad. Oh, that's no big deal. Let me tell you a story about that. I get one like that. Shoot, the first time I saw one like that, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, 150. No problem. It's a little deep. That's when I was, you know, thought that was a pretty good price. I, I can't remember. Some, something low, okay? Don't hold me to the price, but it was low, lower than, than I, than I should have. I get going on it, and I'm like, gosh, man, I'm slipping everywhere. This is before flat bars. I own the flat bar or anything like that, and I'm like, gosh, I can't get the freaking angle. I only had a 90-degree angle ultra. There was no 
bumper bags or anything like that. I'm scratching the inside of the frame up. I, and then I put some gaffers on so I didn't have to friggin' scratch it anymore. And, but it is struggling. I am struggling to get leverage. I can get to it, but I just kept kind of sliding and slipping. Finally, after an hour, I finally got it to come down. I was using, I think I was trying to use glue, but again, we're talking the first time I was working on these, glue really wasn't an option back then. And so I got it down to the last 10%. I'm really cranking on it, dude. Finally getting that center out. Almost done. And what was that? Look, cracked paint. I know what you're thinking. Why did you use heat, Mike? <coughs> Excuse me. Because I didn't know any better. Like, well, well, no, it's not that I didn't know any better. I got lazy. And I cracked paint. And the other thing is, too, is I was thinking in my head, man, this is a lot harder than I, than I anticipated. And you will... If you haven't worked on these vehicles yet or that type of dent on the Jeep Wranglers, you will go in, you're going to say this is a way harder than I thought. So now fast forward after many years of experience, I'm going to tell you how to do it and do it right. So you don't have to go through that. I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you the, the step-by-step we've done to get that dent out. And now you can go watch it on, not now, but you will be able to watch it this weekend. Okay. And it's, what's the date on this? This is uh, September 16th. So, by, you know, by the 19th or 20th, whatever, it, this weekend, it'll be up. And you'll be able to see that, that details and the tool list and all that stuff. All right, enough blabbing on. Here we go. So it's a deep dent. My student's working on it. First thing we do, uh, we heat up the panel. We turn on the glue gun. We get that sucker warmed up. We prep it. Glue gun's on. Nice. It's already got there. We're using hog glue. We went to go use some dead center tabs. Smaller ones. With a robo lifter. It was pulling, but not nothing not to write home about. It was barely moving it. You understand this dent is deep. So, stepped up. And went to another... Um, glue tab, excuse me, glue tab. My throat's getting dry. I don't have any water here. Um, mini lift it, pop a little bit better. Finally, we said, oh, you know what? Let's just, let's just slide hammer it. So we went, stepped up to the bigger dead center Kiko tab. I said, okay, here we go. We're going to use this, uh, this slide hammer. So we put a, we were using the ultra one with a dampener on it and we were getting it. We were, it was like the dampening. When you have a dampener on a slide hammer, what it does is when you're pulling, it's not, you're not getting that crack snap, like that shock value that you would get. Like when you don't have a, like a spring on the end of your slide hammer, you're just going to get a snap, right? Or you can tug it and play it by that, but you're usually still pulling the tab off prematurely than you want to. So when you have a spring on there and you have a dampener, I think a pull dog is the one of the original ones. And then I think Dent Gear came out with one, but Ultra has one. That's what I have currently. 
And I'm pulling, I mean, he's tugging it and it's grabbing, but it's not letting go. That's what we want. And you can see it pop, 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 right? And then boom, what did it do? It grabbed about 50% of that dent. That's exactly what we wanted. Created just a, a little bit of a pinch around the center, which is normal. Tap that down. And then we set it up for pushing. So from there, we had a bumper bag. Those are the bean bags, the industrial bean bags. We taped it to the, to the edge of the frame. So when we go to push the rod in, it's going to mold right into that, that bumper bag. That gives us stability. Now, I did hear somebody said, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I would use a flat bar to, and with some Tesla tape on it. Well, that's a good idea. I th- we're not completely done with this. We're just about done. But I'll, I'll test it out, and I'll put it on video. So put it there. But the flat bar would still be all over the place, though, if you didn't have a bumper bag. So get a bumper bag. You're going to need it more than just on Jeeps. You're going to use it. I did it on, my four, on a forerunner repair. You might have saw that on Dent Trainer. Crazy intense repair. And without the bumper bag, the dents wouldn't have been as clean. We did a Tesla, a Tesla repair with the bumper bag. Again, we want to have control and good, clean pushes if that wasn't there. The rule of thumb, guys and girls, you need a tool if you need it more than once. Get it. Because chances are you're going to need it three, four, five times more. So going back to the dent. Start with an R4. Actually, we started with the plastic. Well, let's just say R4. We, we were using a metal R4. and we, we just switched to that. Able to get some of the meat out on that. Definitely getting further, but we got to tap down. But you can use a, like a rubber tap down, but then really quickly, that doesn't work really well because you're not, you're not really focusing on the hard edges around the center. So we wanted to open up the edge, okay, the border of the center, the hurricane eye, the eye, okay, of the center. Open that up. And what that does is that's shallowing out that, that, that depth of that pit so that we can set up our pushes. So now we go back in with a soft tip, boom, boom, boom. So now we got it to about, it's probably close to 70%. So what we do, I told the student, hey, we need to switch tips. So we went to a midpoint. We put some tape on it, Tessa tape. No, excuse me, we put some gaffers tape on. We heated it up more again because we don't want what? Crack paint. So the midpoint, what it does is it, all, it picks out the center part of the pit. Not Now we don't have to worry about volcanoing anything anymore. Now, if you're not careful and you just kind of go right to the center, you can make a high spot in the center, right? And then that causes more work. What we like to do is gather some metal a little bit outside, and we're picking our spots. We push maybe on that deeper part, and then we go over to this area that's a little bit deeper. And we kind of work around almost in a spiral, almost in a spiral, but picking our spots from left to right, top to side, whatever's giving us the meat in that small little area. And then finally, we're tapping down. We were at the stage where we got nice and shallow, and it's game over. But we don't get greedy. We make sure we heat it up. We pull the light back. This is where we're at the stage. We pull the light back further. 
And then we start tapping down all the hidden crowns that we didn't see before. That's going to make it nice and smooth. Because if you don't tap down the crowns that you think that you didn't see earlier, when you walk away, you're going to see an obvious wave. And then that's also, you need to identify that too as well, because that's going to help gather metal and put metal more cleaner inside the center, which cooperates when you use a tool. Again, when the, all the crowns and the tightness is gone, you don't have to be such a sharpshooter PDR tech. You just have to be close and then just kind of blend it in with your pushing and your tapping. So that's how we actually fix those tools. Now, also, excuse me, the tool we're using, they call it a Johnson. It's a 45 degree angle um, rod, screw on tip rod from Ultra. Now they do sell those tools with kind of like, it's kind of like a, it kind of looks like a hook, you know, in the end, but it's, it's pointless. Get it cut off, put the octagon. Cause when you do these, you're going to need that handle, a T handle on there and you want it to be a certain way. So make sure the T handles on there. But those, that's basically the tools we're using. I might've left out something here and there, but I don't think so. The, as far as the tap downs, VIP, the, um, what else? Uh, the, we're using a, just a thicker uh, black cap version of rubber cap version of the Ultra, the tap downs, you know, the heavier crowns in the beginning. But that's about it. So check out that video this weekend on Dent Trainer. You know what? I'm going to give a promo code. I'm going to leave it for one week. If you guys want to join. Get, well, let me give you guys here. Let me see here. One week though, okay? So this drops the 17th. And we'll let it go till next following uh, Thursday. Okay. So don't hit me up. If you go like, Oh, I missed the promo code. Make sure you see it. Okay. Let's do 15%, right? We're going to go DT one five DT one five. That's where we're going to put it. Okay. Save 15% on dent trainer throughout the, throughout the, throughout the site. Now there are subscri subscriptions. There's three of them. I want to be real clear with people, okay? When you, a subscription is ongoing unless you cancel it otherwise, okay? So if you sign up for the three months and it basically renews 30, or excuse me, 90 days exactly, not the date. So if you sign up like the 16th, it's not going to go, it's not going to expire November 16th. It could be a little few days before or a few days after because there are shorter days and longer days in each month. Does that make sense? Just want to kind of clear that up. You'll love Dent Trainer if you're not a member. I think you'll appreciate the way the new site is if you are a current member. We're still adding the old library in there. We've added some new videos in there too as well. I just haven't had time to tell you, but it's in your packages if you're already a member. You'll see that. And expect this cowl one in. And we're also going to put the how we use uh, cold glue today, especially with my student. You want to see how my four-week student, how well he did on that dent, why he did so well? Remember, ladies and gentlemen, your first five to ten pushes are the most crucial. 
super crucial. All right. Talent ain't going to matter, ladies and gentlemen. It's your patience. It's going to be about 5% talent. And I'm not taking any away from anything away from you guys. The good, real good PDR techs are really, really great at, fa- at fundamentals. What I just mentioned. So just remember that. And they're patient, fundamentally sound. So practice the fundamentals and your game will go way, way higher in this business. And so will your pride, so will your confidence, all that good stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, it is, it's that, it's that important. All right. All right, homies, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mike Toledo. I'll hit you guys up on the next podcast. I hope you guys like this one. Let me know your thoughts. Oh, shoot. I thought I was going to do some reviews. I'll make that priority. Next one, guys. Okay. I'm going to read like 10 of them. So you want to get your podcast, your review read on the podcast? Please go, go, go hit me up. Leave me a good one. Talk to you guys later. Enjoy. Enjoy.